Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I love the smell of night come in the morning. This is where the fun begins. Six twenty CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Roughriders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host Michael Ball. And welcome to the Sports Cage on this interesting day in Rider Nation. I'm Michael Ball. Number to text, 936-6262. In town, I know you'll want to text it because uh, lots went on here today. There's never a dull moment around here. There's one thing I could say about being the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in my first year. There's lots to talk about. These are the days of our lives. Uh, these uh, text line is sponsored by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac. The show today on this Tuesday brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. The main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, recreation groups. All right, so let us get to the news of the day. And the news of the day is this. The Riders have announced that their entire offensive coaching staff is done. Jason Moss has been relieved of his duties as offensive coordinator, run game coordinator, and offensive line coach uh, Stephen Sorrells, and receivers coach Travis Moore will not have their contracts renewed. Craig Dickinson will be back for the 2023 season, his fifth season as head coach, four where there's actual playing going on because we had the COVID year. And Jeremy O'Day is back as the general manager. I don't know if that appeases Ryder Nation, judging by the things I'm seeing online. It doesn't. Very interesting times. So uh, we'd like your thoughts. 936-6262 in town. That's the text line for anybody, but you can also call that number, 936-6262, or toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Are you mad they didn't blow it up? Did they go far enough? Should they have gone farther? We want to know how you feel about these moves in Rider Nation. We'll hear from all the usual suspects. Coach Craig Dickinson, the president and CEO, Craig Reynolds, and Jeremy O'Day. And that's where we're going to start. Jeremy O'Day, he met with the media. Everybody's like, Jeremy never talks. Where's Jeremy? Hiding under his desk? Well, he's here, front and center for you, as the reporters got after him after the, uh, the announcement was made that they got rid of their entire offensive coaching staff. I know I've said this before, but um, you know it's not something that's really on your mind uh, when you're going through the process uh, of the season. You're, you're just really trying to figure out how to help the team and, how, and what we can do better to, to win football games. So really... Um, just really focusing on that and um, you know I think when you go through something a season like this you're kind of more more worried about the people around you and and your and your families and uh, they're stressed out pretty pretty uh, pretty big with uh, the situation that's going on so you you really just want to make sure that they're all right what is it you might do differently if you had a do-over for this season 
Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great question, and hopefully we're going to have lots of uh, lots of findings and answers for that. And um, you know, if you're going to do something differently, then the question would have been why didn't you do it differently? But um, you know, I think uh, to start the season. Um, coming out of training camp, I thought we felt pretty strong with our team and, um, you know, certainly had a good training camp and came out healthy and uh, started the year out uh, on a good note and uh, everything was going relatively smoothly and um, started to get regressions and uh, some of those regressions were based off injuries and sicknesses and um, and then when you have injuries, you're... Uh, you're really planning to get guys back at a certain time, and sometimes they linger, and, and it could kind of snowball. And uh, felt like some of those games that we were close in, they were very uh, emotional losses for the team. They were they were tough to come back for when you're working so hard and you're so close to winning a, a game that's going to kind of put you over the hump, and, and you don't get it. It's a it's a big setback. So um, the guys kept fighting, the players kept fighting, the coaches really uh, spent a ton of time uh, trying to figure it out, and unfortunately, we just we just didn't have the success down the down the stretch. Where does Cody Fajardo stand with the franchise right now in terms of next season? Yeah, we're we're going through the, the evaluation um, of all the players, um, of 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 all the coaches, obviously, um, and really everything that we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, that evaluation is is still yet to happen. Um, not trying to avoid your question, um, but we do have a lot of evaluations that take place right now. And, uh, you know, we're going to evaluate where we're at. Um, you know, certainly uh, ha haven't made any decisions on the future of any of our players yet. Jeremy, when you mentioned changes and upgrades and evaluations, for you as the general manager, what's a more pressing need and your first look? Is it going to be along that offensive line or is your quarterback or in another area? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I can't stay, uh, sit up here and uh, take back from how important I feel the offensive line is and how much I've talked about the offensive line and how it's critical to your team. And I think uh, this was this was a, a prime example of how important an offensive line is and, and to play well up front. So um, it certainly is a, an area of, of focus for us and an area that we need to get better at. Um, and so that's going to that's gonna be a priority for us is up front. And obviously we'll have a, a big question at quarterback that we'll have to go through and and uh, and look at all the options uh, well, who's available um, how we feel about it obviously we'll we have a, a coordinator to hire as well that will have an, an input in that as well Jeremy there are a couple issues in the locker room and around with penalties and discipline this guy being suspended did you talk to Craig about that he has to work better making sure that doesn't happen or did you talk about the incidents that took place under his watch that he was involved with on the team yeah, um, you know, first of all, I, I hold responsibility in that too, right? I'm the I'm the, uh, I'm the general manager, so in those situations, I I uh, probably need to be a little more aggressive and step into some of those situations. But um, we communicate on all the all the things that happen, and we're we're we spend a lot of time together on a regular basis. But um, part of the evalu evaluation process with uh, with Coach Dickinson and I was 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 talking about. Uh, Team discipline and, and penalties, and um, I think they're maybe different, uh, d two different areas. I think that uh, maybe if you took, talk to Coach Dickinson, he uh, early in the year when we were four and one, uh, all the talk was was about uh, taking too many penalties, and as we got further through the year, our penalties actually went down, and, and we didn't win very many games. But um, I think it's more of uh, on the field. It's the penalties and when they happen um, and, and how much they impact you. So you definitely want to try to play cleaner on the field, um, but you also want your team playing aggressive. 
Uh, as far as the team discipline, you know, I think we had some pretty tough incidents that happened this year um, that the coach had to deal with and we had to deal with. Um, you know, we tried to handle them uh, the best way we thought was was right at the time. Um, I think you can look back and and evaluate how those situations turned out after the fact. Um, and so that may change uh, how you approach it the next time. So I think maybe there's some learnings with us. Uh, it's such a a tough thing when you're talking about uh, discipline with players um, because you're also trying to win um, and so you have a balance of is is it a problem that's affecting the locker room or is it uh, is it something that's uh, fixable you know was it a mistake or was it a problem um, and unfortunately uh, in some of those situations uh, they lingered on and and uh, until we had to make decisions what's Craig going to have to show in 2023 to you what are you, you going to be looking for him to improve on to, to not do or what do you expect from him on that you know I think um, I think First of all, I think he's a, a very good coach. I think I think he is, and um, the conversation with us is, I think we're really just um, trying to need to establish uh, uh, the expectations early in the year. I thought we did a good job of uh, early in the season. Our expectations were winning the Grey Cup, and we we made it a, made it a point to uh, to let the players know that and, and have that as their goal. And I think maybe as the the year went on, we we lost that a little bit, but also expectations on. Um, what uh, what are the expectations of being a rough rider and, and being in Saskatchewan and, and representing our team and uh, all those things uh, we talk about uh, internally with each other. Uh, Craig and I have been here a long time, so I think it's important that when we have new players that they understand that um, and not just assume that they, they know what our culture is about. When you talk about the culture and the character of the players, does that mean heading into this offseason maybe more so than ever before you'll really be focusing on maybe more so or as equally the character of a player versus their ability? Yeah, we, we try to do that. We really try to do that when we when we look at our players. And, and uh, you know, people make mistakes and, and, and make some decisions that sometimes don't fall in line with what we believe in, right? And so you try to help them through that. And, um, you know, in our case, we try to support them through it. And hopefully that there's some change that happens. And um, and if not, then you have to make decisions. But it's certainly a big big factor when we talk, uh, talk to players about uh, being good people and, and being good in the locker room. Um, they also have to be good football players. And, um, uh, you know, we're, we don't just look just to character. They have to be able to to, to play good on the field and, and, and be productive. How much responsibility do you accept for the way things went this season? Well, it all falls on me, to be honest, Rob. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that hires the head coach and, and uh, here's the staff, and, and I, um, I'm the guy that signs the players, right? So um, ultimately it comes down to me and the responsibility is, is all on me. So um, it is my responsibility to make sure that we have a, 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 a team that's going to go out there and compete to win every game and ultimately be in, uh, in a position at the end of the year where we have an opportunity to, to, to win a great cup. And so um, that is, it's, 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 it's on me uh, to uh, try to get it right. How difficult is it to assess the job that Craig did in 2023 considering you had the COVID outbreak that you could say could tie up three of your games as well as the, the stomach flu game against Winnipeg? Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of meetings with players over the last couple of days and and trying to uh, get their get their you know I obviously have my uh, my own thoughts on on the year and and just get their perspective if if it was the same as them but it was really a 
it was a difficult season, you know, and I, I, one that I've never been uh, a part of. I've been on uh, some teams that haven't won very many games and um, and haven't been successful. Uh, and so you're trying to compare it with uh, some of those years, but you know, it was a, a year like no other. Like you know, I think uh, the year started off and, and everything was going along fine, and um, you know, it really started in Halifax. You know. Uh, hour before the game, you know, notify that a player has COVID, and you're trying to get the player out of the out of the locker room and make sure that he's all right. Uh, getting him isolated. Uh, another player in the same game is uh, injures his shoulder, and you're making roster adjustments right before the game. And and then then an emotional loss in Halifax. Right, it was a pretty cool environment. We had lots of fans there, and uh, just really. Uh, Really good situation being over there, and uh, we, we have an emotional loss at the end of the game where we kind of had the game in, con- in control. Um, we we're up by a couple points and, and had a turnover where they, you know, was this, uh, where they scored and then and then couldn't uh, couldn't adjust to it. So uh, coming back from that, that's you know that's when it really got dif- difficult as well when um, a lot more players were uh, out with COVID and, and now we're uh, you know kind of shutting down the building and guys are staying home and our head coach gets COVID as well. Um, and it lingered on for a couple of weeks. And so, you know, coming back from Halifax and playing Toronto with, um, you know, 10 or 12 of the starters out with COVID was, was difficult and challenging. Um, but the guys still worked their butts off and, and uh, worked really hard to try to, try to win the game. Uh, and then, you know, another, another sickness comes in when we're, before we're playing win a game, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, the night before the game, you know, get a call from the trainer that a guy's sick and you think it's just, you know, an isolated thing. And then by morning we had eight or nine guys that had it. And um, I think we had about 30 players that week that, that ended up getting it. So uh, difficult um, going through those situations, but um, felt like we still, you know, still had enough time and we were, we were still in control of, uh, of our goal, um, but just never got it turned around. How much control does Craig have when it comes to hiring who the next offensive coordinator is? Yeah, he has. Um, you know, he has the ability to hire his his uh, his staff. I give him uh, certainly the flexibility to. Will I'll definitely be uh, involved with that conversation, and and uh, we'll we'll be with him uh, right through the whole thing. But he'll have the final say. But you know, I'll, I'll be able to to talk with him and and uh, go through the candidates and and make sure that I'm involved with the decision. Uh, but ultimately, he'll get to decide who the coordinator is. Is there a lesson to be learned if you were with the organization in 2011 when it felt like things had bottomed out and a lot of people were clamoring for Brendan to be let go and Jim Hobson was didn't kind of subscribe to that mentality but new changes needed to be made. The offensive line was rebuilt. Two years later there's a champion. Is there something to be said because of that? Drawing, drawing upon that in terms of patience and just following through with the process as opposed to being reactionary? Um... I certainly think it's important um, that you get an opportunity. I think it's. I think there's a lot of a learning that goes on when you're when you're doing a job like this or, or being the head coach. That um, those experiences are going to help you be better at your job. Um, certainly, the same as a player when you when you play, you, you learn a lot of things uh, and you get better at, at what you do. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a part of uh, that exact situation and. And kind of know how uh, Brennan attacked that off season um, after getting the opportunity and and the changes and and uh, the approach that he took um, during that time. Um, but I certainly we certainly appreciate the opportunity to go back and 
um, and make it right. Um, I've been here a long time. and Yeah, so Jeremy O'Day in discussion with the reporters and, you know, basically he gets another chance. Craig Dickinson gets another chance and Jeremy O'Day gets another chance to fix this thing. They were a part of two teams that got to a West final and overcame some adversity in 2019. It was a late start. Dickinson came in. He wasn't the first choice as head coach. Comes in, takes over a staff that was already in place because Chris Jones had signed his own guys up. Dickinson took that staff. They went all the way to the West final, lost on a pass on a goal post from Cody. Better offensive line, better setup. Uh, COVID, of course, nobody's fault. They, they add Jason Moss. I'm, I'm assuming that was a Craig Dickinson thing. I haven't totally asked him that, but Dickinson adds Moss. They have COVID. Then he has to start, uh, meeting with his quarterback over Zoom and things like that. 2021, uh, they regress in the offensive line. Don't sign, let some of the guys go, like the Bladicks and the, uh, uh, Shepley's leave and Labatt doesn't come back and they still get to a West final. Then they miscalculate, spend their money in some places that maybe they shouldn't have, or the, the, the return on investment wasn't very good. And the O line was awful. Like it was awful. This team was eighth in points, ninth in yards, ninth in second down conversion, ninth, uh, or pardon me, eighth in passing, fifth in rushing. They gave up the most sacks at 70, what was it, 76, 77, something stupid like that. And they, they were last in average yards per play. Jason Moss didn't get stupid overnight. The one thing that's funny about this place here is people like to run offensive coordinators out of town. Oh, they're dumb. Oh, God. He doesn't know what he's doing. Heard it with McAdoo. Now I heard it with Moss. Moss didn't get stupid overnight. Just like Dickinson didn't get stupid overnight as a head coach. Moss didn't get stupid. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what I mean? You can't do it. So Jeremy O'Day has done some good things for this team. He gets a chance to do it right. He's got to step up. And along with the Kyle Carson, they've got to figure out this personnel. They're too light on the lines. They got pushed around. It wasn't even, it was embarrassing in Calgary. Embarrassing. So you and it was embarrassing for a lot of the year with protecting the quarterbacks. Yes, some of it's on Cody, but it wasn't all on Cody. It's on that offensive line. They got to be better, and it, it's at the tackle position. Find me some tackles, American tackles. Go find some American tackles. Got to find a quarterback now. My question is this: Dickinson's on his third OC. Who's going to come here and be an OC? When the coach, the head coach, has one year left on his contract, that's going to be very interesting. What kind of staff can he get to come here when he only has one year left on his contract? And same with Jeremy O'Day. What kind of free agents are going to come here with that question mark kind of hanging there? That's what I'm wondering. How are you feeling about this decision? Happy with it? Is that far enough? Didn't go far enough? Are you turning your tickets in? I hear all these things from fans. Let's hear it on the text line, 936-6262. Whenever coaches are let go, we have to, you know, we have to recognize that. We got our production staff together. Here we go. Get a new coach. We've lost a few games. He's to blame. The fans were really stoked. But no reason to cheer Till next year Only good thing We can still drink Lots of beer I'll roll a Weyburn 
with Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Shows brought to you by our friends at Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. Our text line's brought to you by Capital... No, it's brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasquas. The calendar is switched to November the 1st, so away from GM and into Ford. Uh, at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, 936-6262. Text us and we will uh, try to get your texts on the airwaves and get your thoughts on what's going on. You can also call 936-6262 in town, a troll-free out-of-town, 1-866-767-0620. It's a football-friendly show today. Lots of football going on. We will talk to Mike Kelly from the NHL Network as we have a nice, uh, funny look at analytics on a weekly basis with Mike from the NHL Network. Um, Okay, our clutch performance of the day, we go back to Monday Night Football and the Cleveland Browns defense. Five quarterback sacks on Joe Burrow. They improved to 3-5 and five with a 32-13 Monday Night Halloween Night victory over the Cincinnati Bengals who dropped to 4-4. Four and, four. and our clutch performance brought to you by our good friends at Nick's Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Go check out the good gang, Nick Service in Emerald Park. I drive past that every day on my way to work early in the morning. All right. So, uh, yeah. So, Jason Moss is out as offensive coordinator. Steven Sorrells is out as the offensive line coach and running backs coach. And I, I, I don't have anything against him, but you know what? The line looked lost at times, and he's in charge of that area. Um, and Travis Moore out as the receiver. Receivers coach, but let's be honest. Those guys, somebody had to go. The Lions had to eat some meat. Did they? Did they feed you enough, Rider Nation? Are you? Does that? Does that suffice, or do you think that they didn't go far enough? You know, it, it's tough to blow everybody out. I mean, Jason Moss is still getting paid for his time in Edmonton as head coach. He's going to get paid for a year here in Saskatchewan, uh, or partially a year, because if he gets a job somewhere else, I think the difference is just made up. So uh, I'm hearing he's a good bet to go to Montreal, and we'll hear more from the guy who started that uh, discussion, Arash Madani, at 6 o'clock. He also has a big stampeder scoop for us. But I'm telling you this right now, folks. I'm telling you this right now. To sell tickets to Rider Nation, if the Riders are listening to me, and I know uh, some of them do listen to this show, if you want... To sell tickets, you got you got to get Bo Levi Mitchell in here. You got to get him in here. You got to get that shoulder checked out first. He's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. He's still 32. This has the makings of Zach Kalaros 2.0 with the whole makeover reclamation thing. But only if Jeremy O'Day beefs up that offensive line. We need to be way better on the lines, on the interior of the lines. Well, on the interior of both lines, offense and defense, and then on the outside on the tackles. We need to get some good tackles, big tackles. We have to get bigger, more physical. You got to give Bo Levi Mitchell time to throw the football. I think this is where Bo wants to be. From the from my little intel, this is where Bo Levi Mitchell wants to come. He wants to be a Saskatchewan Rough Riders if things line up. Now, I don't know if they line up. If they're keeping status quo with the coach and the GM. But I will tell you this. It, you know, you look at it. Who's going to come here when the coach is into his last year? Who's going to come here and coach? It's a good question. I'm sure Dickinson has a lot of uh, connections. Uh, and who's going to come here as a free agent when the coach and GM are in their last year? That's a question to, to, to ponder. But 
I will tell you who could be a great OC. You get Bo Levi Mitchell in here, and I think Bo would come if Mark Mueller comes in as the offensive coordinator. And you'll say, oh, we need Paul Lapolis. Why, you guys like watching field goals? That guy's the king of the field goal offense. You don't want Paul Lapolis. Mark Mueller, Ron Linecaster's grandson, Sheldon Williams Spartan, Regina Ram. If the Rams didn't screw that up, he probably would have been the successor to Frank McChrystal, but they went and got that goofball Mike Gibson as the head coach. So Mark Mueller left. He goes to Calgary. He's been in the great the best CFL organization over the last decade. Mark Mueller's been there. DBs, running backs, quarterbacks. This dude deserves a crack at it. Why well, doesn't have experience? Well, you can't get experience if you don't give it to the guy. Ron Linecaster's grandson. Let him come in here. Be the offensive coordinator. Bo Levi Mitchell loves the guy. He said it right here on this show. So there you go. Problem solved. Bo Levi Mitchell, Mark Mueller, they come in here. Mueller can't go up in that organization. Dave Dickinson's the head coach calling the plays. I'm sure Dave would get a, give a good ringing endorsement to Mark Mueller. He comes in here, good Canadian coach. Bo Levi Mitchell, if he's healthy, you know Dave's going to tell Craig the straight goods or stay away from him. He's not healthy. And I don't know. Maybe Bo Sauer on the Dickinsons. Maybe he wouldn't even come to... Saskatchewan, because the Dickinson Dickinson, right? Maybe he wants to break ties from Dickinson. I don't know, but I do know if all things are being equal, his first choice would be to come to Saskatchewan. He loves to be the center of attention. He wants the off-field stuff. He wants that star stuff. He's going to soak it all up. Plus, he's got a thick enough skin to say, no, I don't give a crap what you fans think. He's not going to be like, did you see how we handled his ouster? The Hall of Famer handled his ouster out of Calgary like a professional. He didn't say, oh, I guess they don't want me. <laughs> I, I thought they loved me. He didn't do that. He's like, you know what? The end of next year, the end of the season, we'll figure it out. And then he was on the microphone thanking all the fans at the end of the game. Okay? He's got that. He's got that Ken Austin arrogance about him. We need Bo Levi Mitchell here. That's the only thing that's going to sell us tickets. That's my opinion. Bo Levi, Mark Mueller, and the third trifecta, when he wins the Heck Crichton Trophy as the outstanding player in Canadian football, you'll sell some tickets by bringing Mason Nias in as quarterback. And you better get him in here, because the BC Lions are going to get him. Because the BC Lions have Nathan Rourke as their quarterback, and Nathan Rourke will probably be back next year, and they need a Canadian to back up a Canadian, and I'm telling you, I've been telling you this for three years, this kid is a straight goods. Regina guy, played at the U of S, that has sell and tickets in the making right there. And the kid can throw the ball. He's been to camp with the Riders before. Get after it. Anyway, we'll take a break. Be back with some words from Craig Reynolds. It's the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 Seat Kidding Business. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Taking your texts at 936-6262 and people tweeting me at the real ballsy too like David Smith. Hey, that was quite a shot at Cody you just took. Listen, Cody, I've su- I've supported Cody Fajardo the whole time. He's a he's a really good man. He's a good uh, husband. Probably going to be a great father. And he's a decent quarterback. He'll find another job in this league, no doubt about it. As a starter, I'm not sure. But listen, he didn't handle this departure right. He didn't handle it right. He uh, 
kind of came off like he was whining. And when you get the most money, you have to, you get the glory and you get the criticism and you have to take it. Sorry, that's just the way that it goes. Bo handled it way better, in my opinion. Hey, here's Craig Reynolds today with the media talking about everything going on. Craig, walk us through the decision-making process to stay on with Jerry's team's GM. Yeah, so obviously very disappointed with the how the season went. And so you start an evaluation process. And I think the key to that is is good process and and so you know obviously that starts with meetings with with jeremy and and talking to, to him around what he he learned from the season um his his go forward plan um and then his decision making process around uh retaining retaining the, the head coach so you go through that that evaluation process with with jeremy um and at the end of the day uh you know i i just truly believe that he's the the best position to to make the corrections that are required to get us back on track. He he understands. He's a very good general manager. When you look at all the qualities that you look for in a general manager, uh, Jeremy O'Day ticks all those all those boxes. Um, he's had success, and I think that's also important to to note. He's he's been through uh, been with this club for a number of years and has had success. And we've had some recent success. And there's a number of things that went wrong this this year, and and um, there's lots of lessons learned. And I think Jeremy's learned learned from that I think he deserves an opportunity to to, to correct what needs to be corrected Pardon me? what needs to be corrected uh, you know there's there's the things that I'm sure you asked Jeremy about so um, there's some things from a uh, player personnel perspective certain position groups I know Jeremy wants wants to wants to up, upgrade um, you know there's been lots of conversations around around the offensive line so so you know that that comes comes to mind um, and I trust Jeremy uh, to do that, and and he knows he knows best what's to be done. And I think when you have somebody in house who's been through the year that we just went through, he understands best uh, what needs to be done and uh, how he'll go about to, to fix that. Once you decide that Jeremy is going to be your guy, uh, how much or how big of a part do you have in his decision making process to retain Craig as the team's head coach? Yeah, that's that's Jeremy's decision ultimately, um, but I, I do weigh in on, on that for sure and, and provide him my perspective and really want to understand f- from him what his process is and, and how he's going to evaluate the, the head coach. So so he does that, uh, he does that process and, and he ultimately makes that decision. You know, um, I I, I sat with with both of them and and uh, wanted to um, you know hear from hear from Craig as well and so you're involved uh, to a certain extent but ultimately that's 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 the general manager's decision is who the head coach of the football team is and so it's Jeremy's decision. Was any contemplation given to extending Jeremy's contract so you're not in what some may perceive to perceive to be a lame duck situation? Yeah, no, no, there wasn't, Rob, and and I think um, that often comes up, but I, I I actually don't really subscribe to to that a ton. There's enough checks and balances in in place uh, where um, you know we uh, we know we know that Jeremy will make the right decisions for the future of the of the franchise, and so so no, there wasn't um, that that discussion, and not, and we'll we'll move into 2023, and and um, and Jeremy understands the expectations in 2023 as as the, as does Craig, and we'll deal with those things when we need to deal with them. Factor in the football operations cap when making your making the decision or approving the overall plan, especially considering the situation that Chris Jones was lamenting in Edmonton last week. No, it, it really didn't come into into play. Um, ultimately, we've just got to make the right decisions for the future of the franchise. Um, and um, 
and there's certain rules around the, the football ops cap that you have to would have to be considered if you're going to make a change but you could always make it work um, and that's the that's the key is you could always make it work but we felt um, the best decision for the Saskatchewan Rough Friday Football Club was uh, was to retain retain Jeremy and Jeremy made the decision to, uh, to keep keep coach Dickinson. Is it a challenge perhaps in selling this to the public given that there was some at least some appetite for um, more moves than you ultimately made? Yeah, you know, obviously we understand the, the frustration uh, of the fans. Uh, we didn't we didn't live up to those expectations. Um, uh, the expectations are, are were high this year, and, and that's a good thing. We want those expectations to be high, and, and we didn't we didn't live up to them. So I think one of the things that um, you know when I talk about a good process, part of that was to take the emotion out of it. Um, and to and to take a step back and, and have some, some perspective, and I think when when we did that, um, you looked at some of the more recent success we've had with um, the the current regime with Jeremy and, and Craig and back to back West West Finals and, and a four one start to the season. I think when you took take the emotion out of it, um, you know, uh, we, we felt that the, the best decision was the decision we made today. Were there any discussions with yourself and the board about your future? Um, with lots of discussions with the board um, around around um, these types of things and, and obviously understand that criticism comes with, with 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 the job, um, and um, and I understand that. And, and when you're the president and CEO and and you're you're struggling on the field, and um, there's going to be criticism. And uh, we've got a we've got a great board. They're a governance board. Um, they they deal with strategy and and they and they deal with with um, process and and, and policies. Um, and um, and obviously they have they have a single employee, and and that's the president and, and CEO. Um, but uh, no, I've got the support of the board and and uh, worked with them through this process. To to make sure that they were comfortable with the decisions that we were we were making. One of the big issues facing this team this year was the Garrett Marino situation and how it was handled. Do you think there should have been a quicker decision when it came to eventually releasing Garrett Marino? Um, you know, yeah, everyone wants to point point to that as as a turning point, and and certainly it had it had an impact on our season uh, for sure. But you know, the, the decisions that they, they made, um, there was you know, obviously we talk about those and we talk about the rationale behind those those decisions, and and ultimately we made the decision to part part ways with with Garrett when we did, um, and um, and and coach felt that that Garrett deserved an opportunity, a, a second chance, another opportunity, and we gave him that, and then ultimately when it when we we, we determined that um, that um, Garrett wasn't taking that that second opportunity. Uh, we made we made the decision when we made it. Hindsight twenty twenty, but do you think that you should have got maybe out in front of it and, and came out and instead let Craig kind of handle all the questions surrounding what was going on with that? Yeah, you know when you have a, a season like this, you do a lot of reflection. You do a lot of self reflection. I've done a lot of self reflection, and, and yeah. I, I 100% agree. I wish I would have um, spoke a lot earlier than I, than I did on on that topic. Um, you know, I think it was a week and a half later where I finally went out and talked about about that that incident. And and yeah, I wish I would have spoken a little bit earlier. I think that that might have helped helped some things. And I think it was would have been the right thing to do. And uh, upon reflection, what has this season affected season ticket sales heading into next year? It's really really early uh, to to make that assess, assessment. Uh, to be honest, we know we got a lot of work to do though. We got a lot a lot of work to restore. Uh, fans confidence uh, we've got a lot of wor work to do uh, to make sure we're doing the right things in the community we've got a lot of work to do post-covid post-pandemic and I think that's a, a lost a little bit too I think the pandemic has been 
especially harder on, on the football club than, than I think um, um, we sometimes let on, um, just in terms of our inability to get out in the community and do some of the things that we really need to and want to do. Um, so we need to do more of that, and we need to do more engagement with our, with our fans and our season t- ticket holders. And, and, uh, and there's a lot of hard work ahead of us, and uh, we're absolutely committed to doing that. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say, Murray. Obviously, we know how uh, everybody's evaluated. It's evaluate everybody's evaluated on, on on wins and losses, and and we set goals here. We set goals of trying to compete um, to host home playoff games, and and really we do that to put us in the best position to to play in the Grey Cup. So so that's that's always the goal every every single year. Uh, we felt really good with the roster we had coming out of out of training camp, um, and that was across the board. Everybody felt really really good, and, and that was that was our goal this year was to 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 try to compete to host a home playoff game to get us in a position to to play in, in, in the Grey Cup game here. So, so the goals aren't going to change ne- next year, and ultimately uh, general managers and head coaches and presidents and CEOs get, get evaluated on, on wins and losses. In 2015, the season and a half after Brendan and, and Corey won a Grey Cup, they were gone. This regime, over a longer duration, has yet to get to a Grey Cup. Why, why is this regime still intact when the other one was torn apart after a year and a half? Yeah, no, it's an excellent question, Rob. And I think all I would say to that is, is each situation is, is different. And, and you go through an evaluation process each time and you have the conversations that you need to have each time and you, you go through, um, you know, what, what sort of that process tells you and what sort of decision uh, you feel is, is in the best interest of the franchise at that time. And, um, and right now I, I feel that um, this regime and Jeremy and Craig have earned uh, the right and the opportunity to, to, try to f- try to fix this and try to turn this around. Yeah, so the question, what gets them a new contract? I'll tell you what gets them a new contract. Just in my own opinion, they have to make the playoffs number one. Probably have a home playoff game. But definitely it's West. They can't be anything less than a West final, in my opinion. You have to get at least to the West final where you were in 2019. A solid season where you win. Listen, you got to win more than you lose at home. You got to put it on an entertaining product at home because you could talk about TV contracts and all that crap. It's a gate-driven league. You build a fan base by people coming to your games. So it needs to be fun again like it used to be back at the old Taylor Field when we sat in the old benches. People put watermelons on their heads and they came in. We need to get back to that party-like atmosphere, okay? Who cares if you spill a little beer on a rug? We're going to have some damn fun and, 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 and play some good football. So we need to have entertaining, winning football at home. A home playoff game, but for sure you got to get, I say West final or bust. We want to win the Grey Cup. I know that. But let's be real. You can't, it's not easy to win championships, especially for this team, four in 112 years. But you got to get to the West final. That's what's on the line for the current regime. Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day, and I think they know it. This is the Sports Cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries on 620 CK. It's time to step into the radio octagon.
You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Yeah, so here we go. Sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Give them a call, 781-2090. The Rough Riders announcing today that offensive coordinator Jason Moss has been relieved of his duties. Run game coordinator and O-line coach Stephen Sorrells and receivers coach Travis Moore will not have their contracts renewed. Craig Dickinson is back as his fifth season as Rough Riders coach. And Jeremy O'Day also retained as the GM. They're entering the final year of their contracts uh, so they are on notice that they got to get this thing turned around. As you just heard from the president, Craig Reynolds, he is allowing them a chance to fix what is broken. When the Houston Astros pulled into Citizens Bank Park yesterday, Justin Verlander flipped off a group of Philly fans and they loved it. Game three was postponed due to rain. It's going to be played tonight. Uh, yeah, that's what happens when you play baseball into the end of October, November. You're going to get these this crappy weather in some of these uh, northeastern or midwestern cities. So there you go. Uh, game number three, series tied at one apiece. Lots of trades in the NFL today. Trade deadline day. Some of the big ones. Bills traded for running back Naheem Hines, sending running back Zach Moss and a conditional sixth rounder to the Colts. The Falcons traded suspended receiver Calvin Ridley to the Jags for conditional compensation. The the Dolphins acquired running back Jeff Wilson from the Niners in exchange for a fifth-round pick. The Dolphins got edge rusher Bradley Chubb from the Broncos for the 49ers. 2023 first-round draft pick acquired in the Trey Lance deal. The Broncos' 2024 fourth-round pick and running back Chase Edmonds. The Dolphins also received the Broncos' 2025 fifth-rounder, so that's a big one. And how about this one? The Bears acquired... Uh, Chase Claypool from the Steelers, the BC boy, in exchange for a 2023 second round pick. And the Lions and Vikings did a rare divisional deal as uh, the Lions sent tight end TJ Hawkinson uh, a 2023 fourth round pick and a 2024 conditional fourth round pick to Minnesota for a 2023 second rounder and a 2024 fourth rounder. The Packers, who need receiving help, did absolutely nothing, and I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is pumped about that. Uh, NHL, Preds and Oilers. Seattle and Calgary, Devils at Vancouver, Lightning hosting the Sens, and it's um, mini uh, hosting Montreal. Five-year-old Edmonton Oilers fan, Easton Oding, Got his wheelchair turned into a Zamboni for Halloween made by his own a very own dad. So he's got a wheelchair turned it into a Zamboni. Drove around as the Edmonton Oilers Zamboni driver. That's pretty good for Halloween. That's pretty cool. What's your Colson, what's your favorite Halloween costume ever? Um, I had a similar one in that you could like drive around in it almost, which was I was a Thomas the Tank Engine. Remember yeah, that kid's yeah, thing yeah, back yeah. when I was like six or seven? Yeah. And my dad put me in a wagon and just pulled me around as that. So cool. that was my favorite. Yeah, I thought that's cool, though. You take a guy, that uh, a young kid, uh, going through adversity like that, smile yeah. on his face, driving around like a Zamboni driver. His favorite brilliant. hockey team. That is awesome. Great job by Dad there. Great thing to see on social media. Okay, let's get to some of our texts here at 936-6262, powered by Capital Ford Lincoln. Um, let's see here. 
I'm all right with these changes as long as these guys learn some lessons and they beef up the scouting. I'm not sure if O'Day knows what he's doing on his own. Still would have liked to have seen Reynolds gone too. I don't believe he should be in that position. Kahari Jones, Buck Pierce, maybe Buck would be like more of a challenge uh, when listening to him talk. It's sounding like uh, they all might be too nice. I never thought of Mueller as you said, Bal- uh, Balsy. That would be a good one from Eli. Yeah, Mark Mueller. Offensive coordinator. Look into it, Riders. Um, this from Vincent Regina. I think they had no choice but to do what they did. I personally think some players may not come here because of how the fans reacted. Sad but true. I hope they can still assign some of their core players like Darnell Sankey, Derek Moncrief, Cody. If not, we will be worse than this year. I have renewed my tickets and will be there regardless. So the Riders are happy for that. Cody, Eric, Cody's done. Craig Dickinson's back. Cody's done. Those two are not coexisting under the same uh, roof. The trust is broken. Cody doesn't trust the program. And I think the Riders showed you they don't trust him going forward as their starting quarterback. So that is done. Forget about Cody. That era is over. Uh, It was good while it lasted, I guess. Um, This one comes to us from Dave and PA. Ask O'Day why he didn't make any trades at the deadline. And he said he was happy with the people he had. He could have picked up O-line from Ottawa, but did no trades and lost every game after the trade deadline. So it's his fault that he didn't make a trade or pick up a free agent from the NFL. So he should be fired and bring in Glenn Suter or Mark Tressman as the new GM because he's got no contacts in the NFL. And bring in Luke Molliner as the new coach, Dave from PA. While I like the text, Dave and PA... Luke Molliner is not going to coach. He's got too many other business ventures on the side, and I'm keeping him in the booth with me next year. Mark Tressman, lots going on. He's a, he's a former law professor, doing a lot of great things at the University of Miami and such. I know he'd like to get back into coaching, but he's never been a personnel guy in terms of wanting to be a GM. And I don't see Glenn Suter, uh, when he leaves TSN, it could be for something like the commissioner, not a general manager. That's what I'd like to see personally. And, uh, yeah, like, here's the thing. Cody, Cody's not coming back. Um, that ship has sailed. I will say this. When you've been humbled, and we've all been humbled, I think, at one point in our life, it can be very motivating to act, you know, to lose your job, to not do well, uh, in your job, to not make the sales quotas, to whatever you're doing, to put diesel in the tank when it should have been gas or something. You screw up. When you're humiliated, when you're humbled like the riders have been in a great cup year where they host, I hope to see a very focused and motivated team next year. And here's the thing. If they get off to a four, five, and one start, you fans will forget. You'll come back. You'll be cheering for the riders because you're great fans. And if they get off to an 0 and four, an 0 and five start, these guys are into their last years. They'll probably be punted out and we'll start the rebuild right away before the end of the season. So it'll be the best reality show from here, from right now, from here till the end of next season. You're watching the and listening to the best reality you can ever do it. It's called the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 2022-2023 season. And we're the voice of it. And proud to be the voice of it. 620 CKRM. We'll be, be, uh, be back with more of the sports cage for Saskatchewan Lotteries. Right here on 620 CKRM. Our house 
is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I'm Michael Ball, and my producer in for Sean Kleisinger is Colson Schultz. And today we are talking Rough Rider football predominantly. We'll hear from Glenn Suter in a bit. We'll hear from Mike Edom from Garbage Bag Day the other day. He had some interesting comments. Thankfully, he's doing better since that hellacious hit he took from uh, Deidre. Rick Mills, the running back of Calgary, the last home game here. We'll hear from Arash Madani and Rams punter Aldo Galvin before it's all said and done. Plus Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. All right. So um, <clears throat> the Riders clean house offensively. Offensive coordinator Jason Moss is out. Run game coordinator and offensive line coach Steven Sorrells and receivers coach Travis Moore will not have their contracts renewed. We're asking you, did, did they go far enough? We're asking your texts for your texts at 936-6262. Ballsy, this was the only option the Riders had, unfortunately. I believe this falls on O'Day and Reynolds. If they don't have better results next year, then it will be clean house. Starting from the top. Coach's cap sucks, Rick and Weyburn. It does suck. It was short-sighted by the CFL, like so many things. That is a that is a tough thing, and, a, and teams are dealing with this. Um, this comes to us from Dwayne. I'm happy to hear about the Riders' decisions, much preferred than wanting to punish the guys for losing this season. Don't need to start at zero. Learn from it and do better. I'm paying for my tickets unless Lapo becomes our offensive coordinator. Paul Lapolis. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm just going to leave that one there because who knows? He might end up in Rider Nation and I'll have to interview him 20 times. Um, but I don't think he'd be my first choice. Uh, Mike and Moose Jaw said, Hey, Ballsy, I wish someone at the press conference would have asked the president if the head coach and the GM weren't under contract for another year, would he be giving them a chance to right the ship again? It's a good question. I would have gone to ask the question there, um, uh, Mike, but I uh, was dealing with a personal thing. I, this is interesting. This puts everything in perspective. Coaches getting fired and everything like that. I went to take my dad to visit my mom, and dude collapses in front of me, and I catch my dad's head before it hits the ground, and he's in the hospital right now. I had to call an ambulance and stuff, but I had to come here to do the show, so it put, puts a hairy day in perspective for yours truly. Hey, my life's an open book. I tell you guys everything. So yeah, my dad, hopefully I'll check him out after the show and my mom just had her leg amputated a week and a half ago so in my world wins and losses uh, they don't really matter much to me right now bull levi mitchell plus mark equals winning only issue they both need to be signed for more than one year Bo for no more than two years oh and Bo can groom mason nias and we're set that's right i want nias here once he wins the heck right and we'll hear from him tomorrow i want uh, mark mueller here regina football royalty as the oc and i want Bo levi mitchell here i know he wants to play till he's at least 35 so that's about two more years because he's turning th- uh 33 but who knows maybe he'll be the next zach kalaros and calgary will rue the day they gave up on him Let's hear from Coach Craig Dickinson right now. Craig, what are your thoughts in general on decision or non-decision, I guess, in your case? Yeah, well, you know, this last season was a tough year. And uh, when you go through tough times, I think um, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. And I think some of those lessons are still going to be learned in the next, you know, three to four months. But, 
it was a season of, of a lot of ups and downs, more downs and ups. And I think we we really felt like uh, we had a good team coming out of camp. We felt like our roster was good. We felt like we had, you know, a group that could make a run at it. We really did feel confident in, in the team we had after camp. And it just didn't turn out the way we'd hoped. So we're going to learn. You know, we've already done a pretty deep dive, Jeremy, myself, and the staff, and into the season. And, and we feel like there'll be a lot of lessons learned from this year moving forward. And uh, one of them was we need to do a better job on offense. And so I felt like we had to make some changes there. And, um, and that's what happened today. A lot of coaches don't survive a 6-12 and 12 season. Were you surprised at all given the nature of this business? You know, one thing, nothing surprises me anymore. You know? But uh, I feel like we've done a good job here. Um, but I, I, I understand that, that you're judged on wins and losses. And, you know, and I can live, live with the decisions that are made regarding my future. They decided that I was worth bringing back. And I'm pleased by that because I feel like we got a lot of work still to do. And I'm excited and energized to be a part of that and ready to get to work. Um, yeah, but there are some tough decisions that I had to make, and, and that's what happened today. Were you, told, were you told this beforehand? Did you know already that you were sticking around? Or? No, I didn't know for sure. Um, but last night I got word that they were going to retain Jeremy and, and myself. And uh, I had already had an idea of what I wanted to do with the staff, so at that point I moved forward on that. What led to the decision to fire Jason Moss? Just productivity. We just weren't good enough on offense. Um, could, he's a good football coach, an excellent man, a hard worker. Um, but we feel like we got to get better. We're judged on wins and losses and productivity. I felt like offensively we had to do something to try to, to flip the script and, and, um, and try to get better. And not bring back Sorrells and, and Travis. Same, same reason, yep. How tough is a day like this as a coach? It's hard. You know, it's actually really, uh, once once a decision's made, Britt, there's almost a relief. I, I'm sure even for the coaches that were let go, um, the real tough days are the ones before where you're agonizing and, and kind of wrestling with some decisions you have to make. But it's part of the business. We all know that when we signed up for it. It's not a pleasant part of the business, but we also know that's that's what happens, and we accept that. Craig, did you think of making any of these moves before the season ended? Because... There have been issues with the offensive line, with the offense and the receivers. I, I, I didn't, Murray. Uh, um, and you could argue for or against that. I just feel like mid-season moves, especially within a staff, are very disruptive. And even though we weren't as good as we needed to be, I felt like our staff was fairly tight. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm constantly evaluating things, and, and I felt like a change was needed uh, near the end. But I wasn't wasn't uh, debating doing it midseason. First of all, you got to have somebody in mind, and there wasn't anybody that stood out. Um, we just tried to work with what we had, and then at the end of the season, make make the best decision you can moving forward. You have a list of people now you're going to go start approaching. You have to wait till I got to wait, but, but there's I've got about four or five guys that I want to talk to, that I think are all excellent candidates and uh, that will give us hopefully uh, what we need moving forward. Realistically, what could the defense? Are those making changes? Are those possibly still coming? No, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, again, these coaches are good coaches, and they'll have opportunities possibly elsewhere. But I would like to keep our defensive staff intact. I feel like they work well together. I feel like they, uh, they are a good bunch that has has a good feel for what what I like to do philosophically as a as a head coach, and I just think they work well together. So, those three changes you saw today are the only changes I anticipate making.
Craig, you admitted that after the second bye week, you guys were thinking about making a change at quarterback, getting off Cody Fitzgerald. Was it Jason Moss who didn't want to make that change, or was it you who didn't want to make that change? It was it was collective, uh, Britton. It really was. I, I wanted uh, to at least talk about it, you know, and we did have good discussions about what we were going to do at that position. The reality was we felt like Cody still gave us our best chance to win a Grey Cup. Um, but we were going to have a short leash because, you know, at some point in the season, you realize you've got you've to improve, you've got to win some games to get into the playoffs, and we were at that point. So it was a collective decision to continue playing him, and it was a collective decision in a lot of ways to, uh, to go with Mason after that. Do you want to see more of a commitment to the run game? I do. I love running the football. Um, I think the, the more physical team usually wins. And uh, one, of, one of my philosophies as a, as a coach is you want to impose your will and control the line of scrimmage. And uh, you got to have the guys to do that, but I, also philosophically, you got to want to do it. So that's something moving forward we'll try to stress. Craig, there's a lot of talk about the salary football operations controlling what a team can do. Does that have anything to do with what you can do? Excuse me. I, I wouldn't be able to answer that, Murray, because I, I don't get involved too much on the cap. I know that there is a cap, and I know it's a, a, a certain amount of dollars, but I think you still make the best decisions you can for your football team, and then you figure that other stuff out later. Realistically, How much important do you think have being signed through 2023 contributed to staying here this year? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I think there's ways, you know. Like I said, I think that the powers that be that decide my future as well as, as everybody else's, you know, they're going to do what's best for the football team regardless of how much money's tied up in them. Um, and I don't, I don't think I'd be back if they didn't feel like I was the right guy for the job. How could you expect the offense to produce more, Craig, considering they had an offensive line that had allowed 77 sacks? To what, realistically, how much more could you expect of Jason given that encumbrance? Well, that, that's a good point. I mean... Um, the old line was a weakness this year for sure, and uh, but that's you know that's part of the offense. So we got to be more productive, productive as an offense, and that includes you know the offensive line. That's a big part of it. So I don't know the answer, Rob, off the top of my head, other than that we just weren't good enough across the board on offense, and we got to get better in the future. What do you have to say to people who might view this as Jason Moss being the fall guy for what for what went on this season? Um. Coaching is is a tough business, and uh, I think we all know that. And um, everybody's going to get fired at some point. And a lot of times, you, it's a decision that you don't necessarily want to make, but you make in the best interest of the football club. So, for those folks that thinks he's being scapegoated, that's their opinion. And ultimately, accountability rests with all of us, me especially. And um, it's part of the job. That's all I can say. Does this change in offensive coordinator maybe change in terms of getting Cody Fajardo back or if he'll leave? Possibly. I think what's important when you hire a coordinator is you want to make sure there's a fit with him and the quarterback. And so I think part of the evaluation process for hiring someone new is, is figuring out who do we like at quarterback, who are we targeting as our quarterback, and then let's make sure that our offensive philosophy matches the skill set of the quarterback we're attempting to sign. How was the fit between Moss and Cody? It was okay. I mean, at times it was good, and at times it wasn't as good. So that's something we'll, we've learned from the season, and we'll try to be better at in the future.
Speaking of learning, what do you take from this past season? Because this is your first head coaching job. What do you kind of regret? What did you learn? Well, there's lots of lessons to be learned. And we still, I mean, we're barely 48 hours from our last game. So most of the time, we're just so involved in the game plan. We're not thinking about life lessons at that point. But I do, I do think I learned this, that you got to constantly, constantly be working to improve not only, you know, roster, but scheme. Like, Coaches are constantly working on their scheme, so you got to be able to anticipate what they're going to do to stop you, and you got to have an answer for that. So I think that's one of the things I've learned going forward, and I think I, I've also learned that it's really important that philosophies match, not just coach among coach, but coach among player. And so I think having everybody on the same page, everybody being accountable to each other, um, those are the things we're going to work on moving forward. Is still the running backs coach. Is he still on with you? Yes, Kelly's still still with us, and uh, I, I'd like to have him back next year. Great. What's today been like for you? Uh, hasn't been too bad. You know, I visited with all three coaches. We let go this morning. I visited with the staff afterwards. Um, like I said, the hard the hard days were prior to this when you're debating, is this the right move? And and if it is, you know, how's it going to go? But I, I think all three coaches were very professional and very appreciative of, of the opportunity to, to, to be in Saskatchewan and work for the Riders. And they're all three excellent coaches. I'm sure they're all going to be working next year. That's Coach Craig Dickinson. Got a text here. Hey, Ballsy, suppose you're the GM. Would you draft Mason Nias or would you draft offensive lineman Andrew in Saskatoon? Actually, Andrew, Mason Nias is a free agent. So his draft year was last year. Nobody drafted him. So he will be a free agent. Get him in here. Sign him up once the season's done. And... Yes, I would look at the O-line, although I think the O-line, just like the draft, is going to be pretty lean this year. COVID really kicked the you-know-what out of uh, U-sports and set them back in terms of their development, in terms of uh, the player development, both at U-sport uh, at junior level. So might be a year or two behind before we're back to replenishing the strength of the draft there. And Mike from Regina, I was listening to Craig Reynolds on my way home, and he sounds like not the sharpest knife in the drawer, just making excuses like usual. Good thing, though, we got rid of Jason Moss because he couldn't coach his way out of a wet paper bag. Well, uh, Craig Reynolds is a smart guy, or he wouldn't be running the organization, number one. And number two, <laughs> Jason Moss has been a really good offensive coach till this year, okay? You don't win with above, unless you have above average quarterbacking, borderline elite, and you need above average offensive line play. Not good enough, not big enough, nowhere near being championship caliber. And that's why your Saskatchewan Rough Riders are 6-12 and 12 and the worst record, the worst season they've had, really, even worse than 2011. You have to go a long way back to have a season worse than this one. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. CKRM. We're talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, then let's take a break from football and talk with our good friend Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. How are you today, Mike? I'm doing great. Yourself? Yeah, I'm doing well. It's awesome to take a little break from football. Lots going on here in Rider Nation and talk that a little like yeah, and talk a little hockey. How about Leaf Nation? Are the seats getting warm there? <laughs> uh no, it depends who you ask, but you know what? I, I tell you what, they, the, the four losses in a row are one thing, and you can look back to last season. They started 5-4-1 and one in their first 10, and what are they now, 4-4-2, four, four, and two, not that different. Leafs had their best year ever last year, 115 points. 
Um, this is different to me. Uh, the way that they're losing is different. They were, they were the, the biggest candidate in the league to break out of what their record was after 10 games last season. It's not the same this year. Um, they're, they're still underperforming what they should be doing. They will be better. But I, I think there's real concern um, with how the team's playing. I think I, I watch them and they just don't look fast. They don't look quick. Um, and they've lost some guys on their team in terms of team speed. Like, I think Alex Kerfoot's probably their fastest forward, and that's fine, but uh, he's certainly above average in speed. But it, uh, you know, it, it better get going against Philly on, on Wednesday because you lose to Anaheim, you lose to San Jose, uh, and they should never have lost that Anaheim game. Um, Philly, despite their record, uh, it, it's been Carter Hart, and that's it. And they're not going to get Carter Hart. They're going to get a goalie on a back-to-back who's never won an NHL game. If they don't win that game, then things really might start bubbling. That's what I wanted to get to. It's like we planned this, but we didn't, folks. This guy at Mike <laughs> Kelly NHL. I looked at your stuff, and you had a good segment, Trick or Treat. So you think Philly start as a trick, not a treat? Uh, one of the bigger tricks, I think, in recent years. Like, I go back to Buffalo, and the Sabres won 10 in a row, if you remember this, a few years ago, yeah. and they were first in the Atlantic Division in November. In that 10-game win streak, they allowed more scoring chances than any team in the NHL. Carter Hutton was on another planet. And so all the underlying numbers were there to see that this is going to fall off a cliff, and it did. Philadelphia, Carter Hart has been on another planet. You look at what they allow, expected goals, chance types, all that stuff. Uh, Philly is the biggest regression candidate in the NHL. And uh, they got the Rangers tonight. They've got the Maple Leafs tomorrow. Uh, I think this thing's going to circle the rails before too long. Okay, Mike. And you know what? John Tortorella's talked about it. He, he's talked yeah. about this needs, there needs to be patience here. Like, I don't think anyone's fooled by it, and great for them for coming out and, and outworking teams and, and getting great goaltending. Um, I love it. I don't want to see a team not do well, but I watch them play. I look at the numbers. It's not sustainable. Yeah, and Torts is a realist. That's what I like about him, and he, he pulls no punches. You, uh, do you think the Blackhawks' hot start is a treat or a trick? Well, that'd be a trick as well. And uh, look, again, Luke Richardson's come in there. He's given this team something they haven't had in a while. Uh, didn't have a lot of it, certainly towards the end with Jeremy Colleton. Uh, and that's structure. Structure in how they play, especially in the defensive zone. Um, so, you know, great. Jonathan Taves has looked great. You know, Patty Kane's doing his thing. Uh, but it, it, it's a, a roster that is being broken down to be rebuilt again. And um, they're scoring at a higher clip. If you, their record is going to go down, but watch their goals as well. I think that's the thing you're going to start notice dipping there. Love watching Connor McDavid play. When he gets on the ice, you know, you're watching a fast NHL product, and it is fast and skilled. But when Connor gets on the ice, it even goes to another another level. It's crazy. You can be sitting in the bleeders, and you know when Connor McDavid's on the, <laughs> on the ice, right? Mike, you're noticing something about Connor's game. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it's funny. I was talking to EJ Raddick down here at the NHL Network yesterday in our production meeting. I said, I noticed this thing. Like, I, I don't really have a point with this. And then, you know, he starts busting my chops about never having a point, whatever. <laughs> but uh, it's not even a good or a bad thing. It's just a different thing. And it's not often with a superstar where you can look at their bread and butter and notice a noticeable change. And it's only been a handful of games. So it could be a small sample thing. But one thing he's doing, when he gets the puck in the neutral zone, he starts going into the offensive zone. Um, he's taking it to the net a lot less. And his rush chances per game are, have been cut in half compared to last year. 
He's passing more off the rush. That's gone up double compared to last year. And so I watch video of this, and I'm watching him. Certainly there's times where he's, you know, it's the better play. There's also other times where he's had a lane to go and do what he does, and he's choosing to try to get other guys involved. So it could be a number of things. could be a small sample thing that will correct itself. It could be um, maybe he's battling something where he doesn't have that, you know, last burst. Um, I don't know that. It's, it's a possibility. It could be that he's playing with players now who are quicker and who he is more comfortable setting up. Uh, they've gotten better around him. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's a bit of all of it. It's just one of those anomalies that uh, you don't see a lot with superstars when it comes to their thing. And one of the reasons I like talking to Mike Kelly, uh, Mike Kelly, the analytics expert, because he picks out little quirks like this. And I like this last one to wrap up. And you can follow him at Mike Kelly NHL. A big uptick in sharp angle short side. Tell us, Mike. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, last year you watched a lot of hockey, obviously, and, yep. and you probably noticed guys picking that spot over the shoulder short side on goalies, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that drives me nuts because <laughs> I watched these six-foot-four goalies go down on their knees yes. and, and try to hug the post. And, I, look, I get it. If you execute it right the right way, you're fine. But so often in a chaotic game, you don't or you can't. And they're getting beat there. And these shooters are so good now. They're so good. Third-line guys can do it. Anybody can do it. So I'm looking at, you know, I talked to some goalie coaches. I talked to different people about how they're playing this RVH, this reverse VH, and, and how shooters have said, okay, all these goalies are just defaulting into this thing. Let's start taking advantage. And they did. Um, those sharp angle goals from the bad sides of the ice, you can watch the video on my Twitter if you want. It's pinned at the top. Um, but those went way up last year from the year before. And I talked to some goalie coaches, and there are a number around the league that are – teaching it now a little different because they notice that too and they don't want their goalies getting exposed so it's that cat and mouse game of shooters finding a weakness and now the goalies trying to react to what the shooters are finding and it goes back and forth in lots of different types of, of ways but um that was why i don't think you'll see as many of them this year because the goalies have kind of caught on but the, the thing that drove me nuts about it was you know these goalies are i, I thought they're being have been at least overcoached in this area where it's like okay if the puck gets down to this spot on the ice here's the position you go into well that's one option but these are also phenomenal yeah. athletes yeah and we never talk about hockey sense with goalies that's something that came up when i talked to a couple goalies about this is hockey sense is a real thing with goalies knowing when to go into a certain position or move um save selection and you'll hear it called but um, anyways, it was something I noticed. I haven't seen that many. I haven't run the numbers, but I haven't seen that many of those goals this year. I, I can count a couple. That's it. Drysidle's good at those. Those sharp angle ones, almost oh, on the God. goal, almost on the goal line. It's like he's he's he does it a million times in practice, so he just does it blindly in a game and can do it almost you know every time it seems. That guy could shoot a grape off a fence post. He's uh, <laughs> he's something else, man. He's probably the best passer in the league, too. He's also a guy that can score 50, so you know, yeah, that cr- must be nice. Crazy. Yeah, that's nice. Hey, Mike, thanks for your time. <laughs> Always love having you on. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Every time Saskatchewan gets in second along, they've been bringing Glenn Suter up on the outside. Sometimes they blitz him, sometimes they don't. But when he's blitzed, he's had success. And it's picked up by Suter. He runs it out of bounds. It's time 
for press coverage as former writer greats and veteran CFL football broadcaster Glenn Suter shares his unique and passionate perspective about the league we love with Rider Nation. All right, Suits. I don't know if I'm into awards or polls and all this type of stuff, but I will tell you this. Uh, Nice that Mario Elford is the uh, special teams West nominee. He'll go up against the guy who actually forced him out of Montreal after he got hurt, Chandler Worthy. Ryder fans know he's the guy that burned the Riders a couple of times. So I think Elford will probably win that one. How the heck does Darnell Sankey not get the nomination as the outstanding defensive player in the West? I know Lemon had a good season, but he didn't have Darnell Sankey record-breaking tackles in a year's season like he did. Uh, 119, 120 tackles for Darnell Sankey? Come on. Uh, well, I'll, I'll try to explain a theory, and my theory is that like when a defensive player goes up against a receiver, running back, or quarterback, often or almost always, let me put it that way, uh, the offensive player will get the nod. Um, they're just talked about more. They're more, uh, you know, top of mind. And the voters, I think, get pulled into the stats. Not that that's wrong or that those guys don't deserve it. And I think the same can be said from the Darnell Sankey to – to Sean Lemon. Sean Lemon had a had a great career or a great year, mm-hmm. but it's also tied to you know that we've talked a ton about him, you know, moving from team to team and always seemed to be searching for a job, calling teams to say, hey, can you can I help you guys in any way? And trying to get on teams, and then when they do get him, you know, a, a spot on the roster, he he excels, and and his age and all of it tied together. I think he got a lot of publicity this year. So, and, you know, Sankey did too, certainly in the market in Saskatchewan. But uh, I think nationally, probably Sean Lemon was talked about more. And it's a glamour spot. It, you know, since Quick Parker and guys like that, that rush end, getting all the sacks and bringing down quarterbacks, that's the glamour spot. That's the spot that we talk about all the time, the off-the-edge player. And therefore, when it comes to these votes, those guys usually get the nod. I mean... You know, offense against defense, offense usually wins these. Glenn Suter, we don't know who's playing the halftime show at the Grey Cup, but we do know one thing. The National Anthem and the West Semifinal, you can hear right here on 620 CKRM, will be sung by Sarah McLaughlin, and the halftime show is Stephen Page from the Bare Naked Ladies. So, I will tell you. Kudos to Amar Doman for what he's done there, and they're tracking on 30,000 or more tickets sold for that game. It's going to be over 30. And, um, yeah, you know, to get Sarah McLaughlin for the anthem and James for the for the uh, halftime, you know, I mean, this is this is massive. I mean, right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm seeing tweets from celebrities like Ryan Reynolds, who is saying, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with the lion logo. Um, you know, it's, he, he has created, um, a fun atmosphere with affordable pricing. Uh, the pregame, you know, that in the pregame, they were selling beers in the past for $14 or whatever, you know, that Mm -hmm. if you go to a hockey arena now, that's what you're paying. If you go to, you know, even in Nashville or wherever you're going to pay, 12 bucks or 14 bucks for beer. Well, he, he subsidized 
that cost because it was tied into Pavco, which is the people, the government people that run the stadium. And so he subsidized out of his pocket to lower the price so that people could buy $5 beers at the pregame. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, 25-year-olds going, hey, what do you want to do tonight? Hey, well, there's a Lions game. It's $5 beer. Let's go out and have some fun out front and maybe go see a game. You know, so uh, I just think he's done a tremendous job. And, and you know what it does, Michael? It, if, if you think about it in a broader perspective, it, it can happen in the big cities. So I, I don't want to hear anymore that Toronto's too big for this. It's just, it's, it's not true. If you approach it the right way, you continue to message and tell people that, message in the right way, telling people that you're not going anywhere, you're investing in this team, you love it, you're from here, you've always been a Lions fan, and you're going to invest in this team. And I want every kid wearing an orange shirt on game day. That's my goal. Yeah. You know, it can happen in the big city. And I'll tell you something. Some media, business people, snobby fans, they hold out hope that Toronto and Vancouver will get NFL teams. It's never happening. It's never happening. It's ne- if the Denver Broncos sold for $4.5 billion with the B, U.S. Listen, my kid plays down in the States. I booked the hotel for 100 bucks. When I saw my credit card and I got home, it was close to $170. That's $100. So think about $4.5 billion American. It ain't happening. And that's before you got to build a stadium because there aren't NFL stadiums that they're going to like there in either of those cities. No, no. And, uh, you know, I don't think the rule has changed where in the NFL you can only have a single owner. You can't have a conglomerate own an NFL team. So, you, you know, you're, you're looking at finding one person that could invest what? You're talking probably now $6 billion or $4 billion to even get in the club before you play a game. Like, that, that is never, ever going to happen. So if anyone is out there or you're listening to anyone out there that is deliberately devaluing our great game in our own country, in our own backyard, with great athletes, then just tell them to stop. Stop. Because that other thought, you can still watch the NFL. You can still yeah. love the NFL. It, you know, drive down and go see a game in Seattle or wherever you are. I mean, that, that's... That's cool. I went to a ton of Tennessee Titan games when my son was in Nashville. It was, you know, the, the tailgate was at times more exciting than the on-field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there, there's another thing. There's another thing, Suits. I'm glad you walked me down that path because I do want to bring this up. I've wanted to bring it up uh, since last week when I looked at the – we always get those stat packs. The, the, the NFL is, outside of about four or five teams, it's, it's unwatchable. It's literally unwatchable this year. Last night's game was garbage. I watched a Thursday night game that was, what was it, 12 to 9, and it went to overtime, Colts and the Broncos. If that was Montreal and Hamilton, everybody would say, oh, it's Bush League. We need to, I can't wait for the NFL to start. This CFL's Bush League. So, so, so help me out, Suits. Help me out. I thought, the, I thought the way to create excitement, if I'm to believe the narrative, is to go to four downs. So does the NFL have to go to five downs now? <laughs> well, 
four downs was the narrative, and it would also increase scoring. Well, the NFL is doing right now as we speak an internal study to find out why scoring is down so dramatically in the NFL right now. And, you know, I, again, I, when, when I walk in, you you know, I'm a country music fan. When I walk into a room and there are people that aren't country music fans and you, we've all run into them and they say, Hey, country music, everybody loses their dog and their truck. And (laughs) you know, all the jokes that go along with country music, people that don't like it. And I'm, I've always said, look, I'm not going to, um, criticize your genre. I'm not going, if you're a rock guy, be a rock guy. Let me tell you why I love country music. And maybe I can convince you to start to listen to a couple of songs and broaden your scope a little bit. And then maybe one day you'll say, Hey, I, I, I get what you were saying back two years ago when we talked about music. I'd rather do that than criticize rock to float my boat higher. So, uh, you know, I've, I've always said that, that, you know, what frustrates me is not that I want to continue to compare our league to their league, our league to the NHL. I mean, some of the stories in the NHL right now are horrible, like the Arizona situation with their arena and, um, you know, the, the, the low attendance in Ottawa is just, what frustrates me is the unbalanced reporting that goes on with regards to our league compared to, and I say our league is in the CFL compared to other leagues with bigger budgets and more money involved, and yet half the criticism on things that are just low-hanging fruit for people to talk about. I mean, scoring is down drastically in the NFL. Maybe they should go to three downs. No, exactly. Okay, Glenn. Yeah, that's good. Hey, Glenn Suter joining us here for press coverage. One segment today. We were going to break down the Lions game with the Stamps, the game we're going to catch right here on 620 CKRM, but we'll do that on Thursday suits because I, I don't know if you know this or not, but something happened in Saskatchewan today. So <laughs> yeah, gonna, I so, saw that. Yeah, so I'm going to bring this up. <clears throat> Your thoughts, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, because Jason Moss didn't get stupid overnight. Steven no. Sorrells was the same old line coach that coached this team in 2019 when Cody almost had an MOP season. Travis Morris forgot more about coaching receivers and playing the receiver position than most guys will know. So those guys didn't get stupid overnight. Uh, sometimes, though, you got to feed the Lions. So they kind of fed the Lions while they've got these guys still on one-year contracts. But... How do you feel about that situation? Who's going who's gonna to come here to be a coach when the regime is on one-year deals? Well, I, I think about it a little differently, honestly. And I've been listening all day, as I do when, it, when we're going to have our hit. And I, you know, I've heard a lot of different opinions, a lot of which are very good. And I, I'm not saying they're wrong. I just think of it differently. Like, if I'm, a, if I'm an OC applying for the job in Saskatchewan with a coach that's on the last year of his contract, there's a lot of upside possibilities there for me as an OC. We have a really good season. Our quarterback throws for 5,000 yards. We get to the West final and maybe coach Dickinson decides he's going somewhere else and that job is available now. Um, So, you know, and I think when, especially when you're talking about promoting a guy, I mean, a lateral move for an OC from one team to the riders is a different dynamic than a guy getting promoted from, you know, quarterbacks coach or running backs coach to an OC. Mark Mueller. A a very good name, uh, outstanding idea. Um, 
you know, that is an opportunity that no matter what the circumstance with the head coach or really the personnel too, I mean, the quarterback and the OC have to match, no question. But beyond that, you know, you can work with what Jeremy O'Day brings you for receiver or, or how they're going to upgrade the O-line. Here, here's what's most important, though, to me, and I've listened all day. Um, you know, this is going to happen. Jason Moss will find another job. So will the other guys. That You know, this is part of it. Um, I, I think to give Craig Dickinson a little more time, one more year to sort this out when you look at the previous two years, is fair. I, I honestly think that's fair to give him one bad one in the last three and say, okay, we're going to give you another shot to work your way out of this. But here's what's important. They have to right now work on in the next couple of weeks and, and maybe not make the announcement before Grey Cup because it'll distract, but find out who's available, get your guys in, Make sure you're organized and ready. The draft is going to be here in a flash. The free agency is going to be here in a split second. And they need to be ready to get the personnel that they need to improve the football team. And that includes a line. If I'm, if I'm drafting this year, I don't care what the experts or so-called experts say about the draft class. I'm taking three or four O-linemen. They're, they're assets. You can build them. And, hey, by the way, sometimes we draft O-linemen in the first round, and they don't pan out. So if, if there's O-linemen available, go get a bunch and make it a real competitive training camp at that position. I absolutely agree. I, I was shocked on draft day when they didn't take the Saskatchewan boy Noah Zur and they took Sam Emelis. No disrespect to Emelis, but you need linemen. You already had good Canadian receivers. Suits, we're out of time, but we will have you on for two segments on Thursday because we're going to break down those semi-final games we're excited about because we love CFL football here. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Michael. Have take, a good night. Take care. That's Glenn Suter joining us. Coverage here on the Sports Cage, which is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries. We'll hear from Mike Adam when we come back uh, on 620 CK. Forever 306. This is Saskatchewan's favorite talk show, The Sports Cage, on 620 CKRM. Jonathan Hefney, like something like that. And, um, um, you know, with family growing, um, you know, off season around the corner. You know, growing the business. You know, you want to be there to um, help out as much as possible. So, you know, I'm thinking in my head. You know, what gruesome off seasons am I looking ahead at? So, for me to be able to walk away, you know, the way I did, I'm just very fortunate. You know, to be able to, you know, not be talking about something else, it's um, it's a, it's a blessing. I'm very fortunate. What does off season look like for you then? Um, go home, go home, um, build a nursery, get, get ready to be a dad. Mike, as you aren't expecting father, how scary is that moment going through the injury? Thinking about the family, and then what is the relief like knowing that it isn't a long-term injury or something that could have been killed? Um, I mean, the, the worst part is, you know, my sister's a brain surgeon. So when it happened, you know, facing her line of questions is probably the toughest part because, you know, she's going to hit you with the real. You know, she's not the team doctor. She's going to analyze you and tell you what you need to hear. And, um, you know, over the course of her doing that, again, her, you know, kind of thumbs up that everything's going to be all right. And um, big kudos to our doctors. Um, 
Our doctors were awesome. Um, they stayed with me that whole night. Um, Brian, Trevor, our whole therapy staff, um, you know, kept me and my uh, spirits up through, through the whole thing. And um, it's just really looked out for me. And I think as a player, that's what you can ask for. Mike, are you a free agent this offseason, or is your contract expired? I'm a free agent. Free agent? Have you and Jeremy had thoughts about extension? What's your football future goal? Um, well, you know, with the, with the injury that happened, you know, you got you to gotta get the sign off from the, from the old lady if, um, if she can sit through any more of these, you know, collisions. And, um, she, you know, she kind of told me um, not to end it like that and, um, and end it how I want to. And for me, that's coming back and, um, you know, trying to help this team get things back on the, on the right path. And, um, yeah, just, you know, spending my last few years giving the riders all I've gotten and seeing what, seeing what the chips fall at that point. So be fair to say you want to be part of the solution to whatever happened this year. I mean, you never want to run out when things get grim, right? You don't want, you want, to, you want to put your foot on the ground and, and see to it that things are turning around. I think um, it feels better when you, when you do it like that, you know. Um, at this point in my career, I think I'm pretty, you know, I love being here. You know, I've been here for a long time, and, um, you know, I give it my all every time I step on that field. You know, to me, football is a sport. When I first started, it became a passion. So that passion is still alive. So as long as they'll have me and my crazy antics, then, you know, I'd love to wear that green one more time. Did your perspective on football and or life has changed after that, after your injury? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just, it wakes you up a little bit, Tucker, you know. You know, you got to realize there's more, to, there's more to you than football. You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up, you know, in the thick of the season and um, other aspects of life kind of takes a hit. And then um, when that happens, you kind of have to pull back and, you know, look at everything, put everything on the table. But for me, honestly, it's part of the game, dude. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, you know. Over the course of 10 years, I've done some, I've done some pretty awful things to guys on the field, you know. 10 years, I got, I got, got once, I'll take it. It's, it's a good ratio, I'll take it. But if you, if you think, if you think that's gonna keep me down and change who I am and how I play, you got me dead wrong. Capital GMC Buick Cadillac's 30th anniversary three-day sale is going to change the game. This Thursday to Saturday, the deals will be unreal. Buy any new or GM-certified pre-owned vehicle and get a $500 fuel card. All new 2022 GMC Sierras are $3,000 off. And Costco members are eligible for bonus offers on select vehicles. Plus, we're offering the highest trade values during our U.S. export event. Capital GMC's 30th anniversary three-day sale starts Thursday. Don't miss it. Rochdale and Pasco. In re- CA. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. This is where the fun begins. I don't want them to gain another yard. 620 CKRM is proud to be your official voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports show anywhere. It's a new era for sports talk in Saskatchewan. Welcome to the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Time now for Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny, our weekly chat with a guy who has covered it all. From Hockey Night in Canada, the Olympics, World Series Baseball, and everything in between, this is Coast to Coast with Arashma Danny. All right, so the show is brought to you by Saskatchewan Lotteries, the main fundraiser for over 12,000 sport, culture, and recreation groups. In this great segment, Coast to Coast with our friend Arashma Danny. 
brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions. If you want to be smart with your money, there's one guy to call. It's Brian Golly. At Smart Investing Solutions, Arash, uh, the World Series. Let's talk that before we dive into CFL football. I just need. Oh my! On a day like this, we're starting with baseball, Michael. I just need a little break here for says like the treadmill's been turned up to ten. Can I start it at four and go back up to ten? Sure, dude. This is why we can't play baseball this late, raining, cold. Like this isn't. I'm I'm sorry. I know you're a traditionalist. I I just this this is ridiculous. The way the weather is, you know. I don't know. What what's your solution? Well, it won't happen. Hundred games start. You know what I mean. Hundred games put yep. the season up oh, from uh, up closer, but it's not going to happen. I mean, it's not going to happen. Um, you got the Astros coming out on top here for Dusty Baker. I do. I like Dusty Baker on a team full of cheaters. They got a guy who perfectly knows how to kind of be the face of this thing. You know what's interesting about the cheating thing, Michael? Yeah. Do you know there are only three position players left from those dirty, stinking, cheating Astros from a few years back? Okay, wait a minute. Let me think about that. There's, uh, what's his name, Bre- uh, Bregman? Alex Bregman. Uh, 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 Their leadoff uh, hitter uh, uh, who just uh, uh, flied out to right. Altuve. Altuve, correct. And who's the other one? And the first baseman who's... Younger brother plays for the Blue Jays, Yuli Gurriel. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I get it. Outside of that, they're all gone. Carlos Correa's in Minnesota, George Springer's in Toronto, on and on. We can, you know, a couple guys are in retirement. Um, but it's it's amazing how long that stain, that stench has has followed that franchise around well it will for a while like it will for you know it'll, it will till a new generation of fan comes in and then forgets about it kind of like the white Sox, the black Sox, all that type of thing that it, it'll, sure. it'll hang up for a while okay let's get the football i'm watching actually i'm watching <laughs> nathan rourke's brother quarterback here for ohio they're up 10 nothing right now he'll be an interesting prospect going forward you know his brother's going to help open a few doors for him for sure yeah no question it's funny uh, just yesterday, I was talking to a longtime CFL talent evaluator, Michael. Yeah. And we were just talking about this weekend's games, and I brought up Rourke. And there was this, there was just this pause when, when Nathan Rourke's name came up. And there was like kind of a bit of a silence, and he just said, best, best quarterback I've ever seen in the CFL. Wow. And uh, and that just blew me away. Again, we're going about 20 years, so not quite Doug Flutie, um, but everybody effectively since. That includes Casey Printers, that includes Ricky Ray, that includes Henry Burris, that includes the great Anthony Calvillo. Bo Levi uh, Mitchell. Rick, yeah. Bo Levi Mitchell, yeah. on and on, Zach. And he said when the ball comes out of his hands, it's just, it just fire out of his hands. And he says now, and this is the interesting thing about, about Rourke and that comment now, because this is effectively Rourke's first year as a pro, you know, first year as a starter. Yeah. You know, we look at what Alex Singleton's doing. I know it's a different position, but Alex Singleton is succeeding, not just because he's a heck of a player, but Alex Singleton wasn't ready coming out of college to be that and to do that. Mm-hmm. It took years of getting his body and his mind and understanding pro football and, you know, all of, to get to this point with the Denver Broncos. That there are people saying that about Rourke at this stage of things, a year in, 
Um, that to me speaks volumes. And, and the point that evaluator made, he said he's already better than Jeff Garcia ever was. Okay, let's get to the mess that's in Saskatchewan here. So we are uh, trying to clean up the mess, I guess, the team is. Now, uh, listen, uh, Steve Sorrells, uh, he was a good line coach back in 2019 when Cody was behind that line. Uh, Jason Moss has been a good offensive coordinator wherever he's gone. Travis Moore, pretty good player. From what I've gathered, a pretty good coach. Um, so just your thoughts from outside this bubble that I live in. It. Truthfully, Michael, it all just doesn't make sense. It, it just all doesn't add up. Okay, the other than it looked like they felt like they had to do something, so they just said, "All right, we'll blow up the offensive staff." Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I look. I get it. I get it. The offense didn't succeed, and it's a you know. But do we really think just doing that is going to solve the issues that plagued this team really all season? Mm, yeah. Wasn't the offensive staffs called to bench Cody and put in Mr. Fine? Mm-hmm. That was the head coach's decision. So to bring both of them back in a lame duck situation on expiring contracts after everything that went down this year, it's just it's interesting to me add up. it's a, it's interesting to me Arash, because I, I pose this to Glenn Suter now he took a different angle he thought hey cuz i said hey you got a you got a coach in his last year of a contract and you've got a gm in the last year of a contract how tough is it going to be to bring in free agents and yeah. how tough is it to go, to get a coaching staff like what offensive core a coordinator wants to come here. Now, Glenn thought, well, it's a good opportunity if you roll and have a great season and Craig Dickinson decides he doesn't want to be the head coach, maybe you're in the running. The The one guy that fits the bill for me, and I've said this since the show opened and I cracked the microphone, is Ron Linecaster's grandson, Mark Mueller. He has been yeah. he has been in a great organization, learning from Huffnagel and the Cortezes and the Dickinsons and those kind of guys. I'm with you, but let me stop you right there. Yeah. Why would Mark leave that situation? Because he can't go up. Because there's nowhere for him to go. Because Dave Dickinson well, is that, going. That's where I'll disagree with you. Mm. Um, here's what I've been led to believe. Okay. That John Huffnagel's time as general manager with the Stampeders is over after this season. Ooh. That John, at this stage of his life, not career, life, um, has kind of had his eye on that rocking chair for a little while, Michael. And he likes the taste of lemonade and iced tea if he wants to have himself an Arnold Palmer in the, in the summertime and maybe something a little stiffer. Mm-hmm. And he may be transitioning into a president of football operations or president emeritus role, something like that. How about commissioner? I, I've, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would fully endorse that. Um, I've also been led to believe that Dave Dickinson will be the GM and head coach. Mm. Now, if that happens, yep. if that happens, look, I know Dave wants to do everything. Dave cannot be GM, head coach, and OC. Like, at some point, you're going to have to delegate and give up something. And so suddenly, especially if there's a rival team in your division that has interest in you, does that open up an opportunity for Mr. Mueller to perhaps move up in the world in, in Stampeder land. Yeah, 
Well, it would, and, and that's that's it. Because right now, if it stays the way that it is, and that's a great scoop from you, and that's why we have you on the show. If it stays the way it is, there's nowhere for Mark Mueller, Mark Killam to go. So those would be the guys that would look to probably leave that organization, right? And uh, Right. And so what's going to happen in Ottawa? You know, we've talked, yeah. we talked about this last week, that it's Kahari, Mark Washington, Bob Dice are the three kind of favorites, but I would suspect Mark Killam's going to get an interview there. Yep. Now that Sask hasn't made a move, is there another vacancy upcoming in the CFL this, this offseason? I don't see it. I don't think Orlando's going anywhere. Um, Dinwiddie's just, you know, won this, the regular season back-to-back years in the East. Uh, Mike O'Shea, I believe, is going to be staying put, even with an expiring contract. I think they'll back the Brinks truck up for him. Rick Campbell's staying there. Chris Jones is staying there. So Mark Killam, if he doesn't get the Ottawa job, may, may be there in Calgary, and then who knows what, ha- what happens after next year. Yeah, that's a – I mean, we got – it's a soap opera, man. It's a, For my first year behind the microphone for this team, I'll tell you what, it has not been boring. I can say it has not – Right. It has not been boring. I, yeah, I – it's going to be very interesting when you got two guys. I don't want to. Call, I don't like using the term lame duck, but definitely they aren't on stable ground. Let's be honest here. So my question to you, Arash, what do you think? What do you think gets those two guys uh, a new contract? If you were running the Rough Riders, what gets those guys a new contract? I would have to think it is hosting the West Final next year or winning a home playoff game in the semifinal next year. Yeah, that's what I say. I mean, think of the revenue that has been lost this season because of how dismal the team has been. And this is where things get really interesting, Ballsy. Like, you know, you talk about Mark Mueller. Why would Mark come here on a one-year contract? Coordinators across the league are now getting, routinely getting two years minimum. Mm Mm-hmm. To, to bring in an OC, a DC, you're giving them two years. Can you really bring in an offensive coordinator on a two-year contract when the head coach is on a one-year contract? Yeah. And if I'm Bo Levi Mitchell, I'm looking at this situation and saying to myself, all right, well, who's my OC going to be? What's this offense going to be in Regina if I'm going to be coming there? Oh, that's a hundred percent accurate, and that's my thing. Now you got to try to find a, a, a. Now let's let's be honest. I don't know that Bo Levi Mitchell is what they're planning their whole world around, but you do need a quarterback to 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 lead your team. So that's going to be real interesting to see how that shakes down. Because you're absolutely right. Like, who's the OC going to be? Wh- what are you going to do for the line? Because Bo Levi Mitchell has less mobility than Cody Fajardo, even yeah, less and mobility. If it's not Bo. Yeah. Here's my question for you: Who is it? I don't know. But let's be honest, though. It can't be Cody. Cody and Craig can't. It can't be. Yeah, no, Cody's ship has sailed. That's done. Right? I don't foresee, and who knows where Masoli is in his rehab in Ottawa, but I would think that as an insurance policy, you have to keep Arbuckle there in Ottawa. Um, you know, we can go through it. There aren't ample quarterbacks that are going to be available. And I wouldn't count out the possibility of Bo entertaining Toronto either. Yeah. He's a, he's a guy who wants to work in television when his career is over. Obviously the two national sports networks are in this city. Bo likes the bright lights. I'm sure, you know, with 
if MLSE is owning the football team, they could get them some pretty good seats to the Raptors and the Leafs. Um, My prediction would be these three places. Saskatchewan one. I still yeah. think Saskatchewan's the front runner because of off field, because Bo Bo wants to be Bo. Bo wants to have the attention, sure. right? And that's the place he's gonna get it, right here, like Katy, Texas. He's gonna be the guy. So I think Saskatchewan's the front runner, but there are question marks. I think Edmonton will kick the tires. I really do. He's not okay. that far from where he's living now. I know they gave some money to to Cornelius, but Cornelius has just been middling. And I think mm-hmm. the Hamilton Tiger Cats might throw some big bucks at Bo Levi Mitchell because I think the Dane Evans experience didn't go the way they thought. Yeah, except they're suddenly the hottest team in the league right now, aren't they? Yeah, right now. I know. If you, no, you're and right. I, I actually think they're going to go to Montreal and win this weekend. That's, that's a real... Hey, I want to... What is it? Is today Tuesday? Yeah, today's Tuesday. Yeah. So I'll have you on again. We'll get your predictions for sure. For sure. sure. But you really think you really think that Hamilton's going to go and beat Montreal, hey? I do. I do. It just it's kind of one of those things. Like I'm I'm watching JT Real Muto at the play right now for the Phillies. It's yeah. kind of that that model of not how you start, how you finish. Get in, be healthy, get hot, yeah. and that's kind of where Hamilton is right now. Yeah. And so suddenly, if Dean Evans wins a playoff game. Um, maybe he's safe there. Here's the other thing. Ryan Dinwiddie, don't forget, Ballsy, was Calgary's quarterback's coach for what, like five or six years? Yep. They won a couple of rings together. Um, so whereas there's a lot of uncertainty today in Saskatchewan's offensive staff and what Bo may be getting himself into, um, not so much in Toronto. Ah, let's just hire Marcus Brady. He got let go today by the Indianapolis Colts. You know the name I haven't heard thrown around and and it kind of puzzles me. Who's that? Mark Tressman. Yeah. Um yeah, Mark's a guy he wants to come in and be and, and here's one thing about Dickie too cuz Mark, I asked Mark if he was interested back in the day when um when Milanovic walked away to go to the NFL. Right. He said if he could bring his own guys in, but he's not going to if he can't bring his own guys in. That's the thing with Dickey. Dickey did make a move to bring Moss in on his own here. This is his third OC, by the way, whoever this third guy is going to be. But Dickinson had Jones's staff, so he, he now gets a chance to have a bit of his own fingerprint on this coaching staff. Right. You know, so there's that's, right. that's a side thing. And, and Tressman's 66. That's getting up there in age. You know what right. I mean? At that point, I don't know, like, but he loves the game, and he definitely is smart. You talk to the guys that have played with him, Mullinder, Waldo, any of Cahoon, they just love him. If you want a culture change, he'll get you good culture. Hey, I got a roll, but we'll get into a deep dive on the games on the week uh, on the weekend coming up on Thursday. Okay, Rush? Thanks, Ballsy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Arash Madani joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. When we come back, we'll wrap the show up with Aldo Galvin of the Regina Rams. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CK. Time to talk NHL. Now back to your favorite sports talk show, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, joined here by uh, Rams kicker Aldo Galvin. And uh, Aldo, first off, it's student athlete. Tell the folks what you're taking in school, man. I'm majoring in sport and rec management with a minor in German language and a diploma of business administration. Okay. When did you learn English? There's a good question. I started uh, back in elementary school, probably like around, I don't know, when I was like eight years old. Okay. Had, had you ever been to Canada before you ended up here in Regina? 
No, actually, like the first uh, time I was in Canada was it. In my visit uh, with the Rams in so, 2018. So, how did you end up getting to Regina? We've never had you on the show. How did you end up coming here? Uh, I contacted Coach Bryce through email and invited me to uh, come for spring camp. I wouldn't, I couldn't come for spring spring camp. I had uh, school work, but I uh, came a couple of weeks later and. They saw me kick and then offered me a scholarship. So when did you start kicking footballs? Because I'm assuming in Mexico, I could be wrong, but uh, you probably kicked a lot of soccer balls. When did you start kicking <laughs> footballs? Correct. Uh, I started kicking footballs uh, like probably when I was like 14. 14 it was my first season playing um, uh, football. Mm-hmm. But uh, my dad used to be a kicker. Uh, too, like back in the day, so he taught my brother and I like to kick the football earlier. Okay, so your dad, who did he kick for? Uh, he he played back home. Uh, for he played college back home and mm-hmm. and semi pro. Has your family been up here to watch you much since you've been playing here? Uh yes. Uh, they can. They usually come for two games uh, every year. Uh. The last time they came was in 2019. Uh, last year they couldn't come, mm-hmm. but actually they're coming next week uh, to see the same final and hopefully the final. That's awesome, man. So, how do you like Regina? How do you like Saskatchewan? It's not Mexico, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's totally different. I like it. Uh, I like the people. I like the team. Uh, my coaches, my teammates. Uh, all the Ram Nation, it's, uh, I, I really enjoy it. All right. So uh, you spent, I think, your first winter here. Like You stayed over the winter because that's how important it was for you to, to fine-tune your game. First off, what was it like to spend, uh, spend the winter in Canada? Maybe one of the worst places to spend a winter in is right in the middle of the prairies here. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually it was my third winter or second winter staying here in Canada. Uh, it was it was good. It was good to be with the with the guys. It was my first uh, summer I stayed here, uh, uh, which was good to be part of the team, be involved with them, um, and practicing with them was good. So, do you have a good uh, good set of gloves too, Kaparka? And do you take pictures and show your family? Look what I'm wearing here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, kind of funny when I go back home and I'm not wearing a jacket. Uh, my mom gets gets mad because I'm not I'm gonna get sick but I, I told her like I'm used to the cold <laughs> <laughs> so who helped you pick out like your first winter jacket or whatever uh I don't remember I just went to uh Eddie Bauer and just picked <laughs> one <laughs> that's the best hey uh Eldo, you've always had a strong leg. Maybe a bit of accuracy on field goals has been an issue, but you're, you're really punting the stuffing out of the ball and doing a better job of kicking field goals. How much has Mark McLaughlin helped you and uh, Jeff Stusick as well? Oh, having Mark was uh, was amazing. Uh, unfortunately, he 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 got a fortunate for him. He got a better job offer, so he's not with us anymore. But uh, like it was pretty good to have him as a mentor. Uh, I really enjoy it, and Jeff, uh, like he's he's the best special teams coordinator in the country. So uh, it's it's good to have him there too. Yeah, he really has made some great play calls, hasn't he? Like an onside kick against the U of S here, and he really has some faith in you. What is it? 
What does it mean to you when your coach has that much faith in you? Oh, I love it. Like, uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. I want to play for him. Uh, and I'm, I'm the same kind of, I have the same kind of perspective as him. Like I, I want to be aggressive with the special teams and, uh, I'm glad he's a coordinator and he trusts my leg and, uh, like everybody pretty much on the on the team to make those plays. Eldo, when you're in Mexico and your dad's teaching you how to kick, he's probably doing it with an American football, not a CFL or a Canadian football. How different is it to kick a Canadian football as opposed to an American-sized football? Uh, correct. Yeah, I was with American-sized uh, football. And it's a little bit different. I personally prefer to kick an NFL ball. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's bigger. Uh, the sweet spot is it's better. But uh, Canadian football, it, I feel it's heavy. I don't know if it's the, like the weather too. Like it makes you like a rock. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but it's uh, I'm getting used to it. So that's good. How do you like our game in terms of our kicking rules are great. Like in American football, they're basically trying to take kicking out of the league. And guys like you, you know, who want to have a professional job down the line might not have one the way they're going here. Every kickoff's a touchback. And uh, in their league, they don't really have much uh, many punt returns. I know that doesn't affect you as the punter because you still got to kick the ball. But do you like our rules? Mm-hmm. The, 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 way, the, the goal posts at the front, the rouge if you miss the field goal? I I like the game. Uh, I like how special teams are very important, uh, like in the Canadian game, uh, in American game too. But in Canadian, it's uh, could benefit or uh, affect you, right? Um, so I think it's more important in Canadian rules. Uh, I like the rules. Uh, I as a punter, I rather like get a fair catch, but in Canadian football, I can do that. So uh, I just. I, I enjoy both games. I, I enjoy both the games. Uh, the rules are, are pretty good. Hey, do you have to practice your tackling? Because you might have to make a tackle in this league with the return and courage. You know, uh, they, they want people to return the ball. So do they make you practice tackling as a kicker? No. Funny story. Uh, my first season uh, back home, I played linebacker and kicker because my dad used to play both. Uh, I wasn't sure. Uh, the only thing I was sure it was going to be, I'm going to be a kicker. I didn't know about the linebacker uh, part, but uh played the season, did, didn't really enjoy it. Uh, then the next season, play as a receiver and kicker and stick with it till I made uh, my move to Canada. And when I got here, it was kind of my first season as a, just a specialist. I never uh, was a full uh, kicker. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like frustrating and like boring at the beginning, like practice and just kick and stuff. Uh, and I took some drills as linebacker, but not really as uh, I don't see myself playing professionally as a linebacker or other position, just as kicker or So uh, yeah, I might just stick it to it. Yeah. And that's my last question for you, Aldo Galvin. Uh, can you see yourself kicking in the CFL or who knows the NFL? I mean, you're kicking right now. You're punting in a CFL stadium where the riders play. And we do have the global rules with having global kickers on teams or global players on teams. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, that's the goal. That's uh, especially the main reason why I moved to Canada uh, to try to make play pro. Uh, I think the CFL is a great league and uh, I'm trying to do my best to, catch some attention of the scouts and the teams.
Well, Aldo, good luck in your uh, semifinal game against UBC, and hopefully your parents are going to watch you for two games because that would mean you're in the Hardy Cup Championship. Thanks for guesting with me today, okay? Thank you so much for your time. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKR.